Yo, are you guys recording? Because I've been going for five minutes already. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I've been drinking, so. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers talk about a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. I am joined, as always, by my brothers, Brian. What's happening? And Jeffrey. Hey, how are the two you doing? I am doing well. I feel like we've really gotten to a point where that intro is pretty smooth, except I hate introducing you guys. I really want you guys to, like, I'm going to say, my name's Tyler, and then Brian says, my name's Brian. You know what I mean? Like, I think we need to start, I hate doing the the pause and wait for you guys to respond thing but otherwise i'm doing well you think that's gonna go away when you just say nothing you think the pause is i would hope that brian is not watching football or you know basketball or anything like that during the intro and can just say his name in line like that but yeah we'll see no i have to watch sports during the intro sorry guys it's in the contract it's in the contract are you actually watching sports right now i just noticed that you were looking off screen I was thinking really hard about what you were saying. <laughs> you were watching something. What are you watching? <laughs> I'm not watching anything. I'm just l- listening so intently yeah. that I don't want to distract <laughs> myself by watching you talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian, Look, how, have you, how have you been? Well, like, think good? about it for a second. When you're looking right at somebody, your ears are pointing in the wrong direction. So if you're really paying attention, you kind of turn your head a little bit so that your ears more centered. So, yeah. Brian has adopted the behavior of a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe puppies have it figured out, dude. You ever think about that? They, they might. They, 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 they genuinely might. Um, he looks I mean, a lot like a bird during the intro. He's constantly looking from side to side, just figuring out which ear can hear best. Well, you um, know, it switches between ears. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brian at his uh, graduation party. Brian is finally done with his master's program. So he can stop telling us he was too busy to read the books that the comic books that we lent him almost a year it's ago. It's true. I am I am no longer too busy. I'm not I'm not the reason why we're recording at six fifty on a Sunday. Or Monday. Jesus. Nope. That honor goes to our father, who needed Jeff's help with something uh this weekend. So we didn't get to it, but it's okay. I'll just stay up all night editing editing the podcast again. So it's all good. Um, that's I'll love. get it out on time. That's, lo- that's love for the people, man. I quickly want to ask the listeners and uh, my brothers. I know Jeff doesn't listen to the episodes, but I know that Brian does. Um, did anyone catch the little uh, post credit scene that I threw into the podcast last week? I, I don't think I even did. No. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, go back and listen. Oh, actually, yeah, I do. I do think so. I think you threw in some little blurb. I don't remember what it was, though. I remember something coming after and being like, what the hell's going on? Sounds like Brian's lying. Um, no, remind me, remind me and I'll go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, last week I asked <laughs> you if above. you... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> last week I I mentioned something about you talking in, or if your microphone was picking up or the recording was coming off your microphone or whatever. 
and you were like i was like i'll cut this out and you said i bet this makes it into the yeah yeah i remember (laughs) and i cut it out but i put it in but then you put it in recording so you owe me five dollars is what i'm hearing nope 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 it was to make a point um anyway this week we all watched uh suicide squad along with apparently three million people uh households all saw it 2.8 watched it on hbo uh separate households apparently watched it on hbo that equates to about 208 million in the first weekend um which is quite a lot if it was box office numbers but because it was on hbo i mean they still got 208 million because we all pay about ten dollars a month to be a part of it right but it's all from households right it's not individual ticket sales so you think of how many people are in those 208 households it probably would have been a lot more in that opening weekend but because of the streaming model uh they got a little bit less that being said um we're just gonna launch into full spoilers brian made fun of me last week about the uh about the pre pre pre-spoilers review thing so um we're just i'm just saying full spoilers from here but i am going to start it off with very short responses jeffrey how did we all feel about the movie? Brian, how did you like the film? Um, I thought it was good. Well, oh, yep, that was short. That definitely was short. <laughs> Jeff, I, I'll, I'll get more into it. it. I just didn't want to dive too far in right now. Go ahead. I, I was trying to think of a one-syllable response, but uh, I think the one I'm going to go with is, fuck you. No. Um, That's two. <laughs> That said, the response I implied the response that I was going to go with, not the one syllable. All right, Hugh Grant, let's stop stuttering and just get the words out. Let's go. Uh, I enjoyed it. To today, Junior. I enjoyed it. It's predictable, but entertaining. Enjoyed it, and it was good. This is by far the best. You asked for. You asked by far the best movie DC has released the entire in in live action since the dark knight that's that's my review like far and away the best it's so much better i watched it three times Jesus (laughs) you've seen it three times already yeah dude it's so good well so i watched it the first time and my wife fell asleep in the first 10 minutes so i just watched it alone and then the next day she was like well i'm gonna watch suicide squad because you said it was really good and so i was like wait until i get home i'll watch it again and i'll take notes and I was so enraptured by it, I didn't take any notes. So I, <laughs> so I watched it a third time yesterday after I dropped her off. I put it on my iPad while I was working on my motorcycle, and I just put it. I was watching it out in out in my shop, and uh, I didn't take any notes then either because it was just kind of on in the background. But yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. I think it it was really good, really entertaining. I loved the action. Yeah, everything. I thought it was really great. Um, full spoilers. We're not going to do it, uh, case, but, or, you know, step by step, we're just going to jump in who had, I mean, it sounds like you guys maybe have some comments since you didn't think it was such a great film. Um, so who wants to go first? Who has, who has thoughts? Well, let me just jump in and say, I was really determined to come into this conversation and not be that guy that's like, yeah, I thought it was really good, but then here's all the things that I didn't like about it. Cause I keep doing that, but I will say while I did think it was good, it was not <laughs> watch it three times in the opening weekend good. That seems obscene to me. I, That's I just, insane. I, I can recommend I, some of the movies to you if you'd like. 
No, it's fine. I don't need recommendations. I just, I really, I really enjoyed it. And on yesterday when I was looking at the things on HBO and Netflix and Hulu and all the other apps that I have, I was like, what do I want to watch right now? And I was like, honestly, I kind of just want to want I kind of just want to put Suicide Squad on again. I just, I just downloaded it and just played it. And it was just on in the back. I mean, I could barely hear it. I'm, I'm using drills and fucking, I had to saw off an axle to get my tire, whatever. It was really loud and I wasn't like pausing and rewinding. It wasn't like I was paying, I wasn't, you know, as enraptured. I just had it on in the background, mostly because I knew that we were going to be talking about it and I wanted to have more thoughts. So anyway. Yeah. yeah I got to be honest. Like, I, I think I like it felt different from most movies. Like most of these superhero movies that we're getting used to. And I'm mainly speaking of Marvel here, which isn't a fair comparison, but with the Marvel movies, I feel like every one of them is is very standalone in its storyline. Like you could watch the movie by itself, and it would make maybe not the sequel ones as much, but at the same time, for the most part, they feel like it's like an open and closed storyline. Where you feel like Endgame stands alone. No, that one's just the end. Of, like I'm talking more like, um, you know, their origin movies or shit. Even like, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm second guessing myself now because this isn't a fair comparison because this is a soft sequel that's what i'm gonna call it yeah basically what i'm trying to say basically what i'm trying to say is it felt like i needed to know when the movie started that they have this program where they take convicts and they put them in suicide mission type situations to try to lessen their sentences don't you know that from the first one? I do. I do. And that's where I was – and this isn't a criticism of this movie. It's more me saying I thought it was an interesting um, – like when I picture the movie as like a structure, you know, I thought it was kind of an interesting way to do it in that it just makes the assumption that anyone that's watching that movie has seen number one. And I, I, I guess – I also feel like – I mean, so number one earned $700 million. Like a lot of people did see number one, right? That being said – I also think that if you trust the audience uh, as a film goer, you, you're assuming that they can just pick up the fact that these people are in prison. This person is telling them to go do things and now they're doing them. Okay. Must be some sort of superhero team made up of criminals. You know what right, I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. You figure that out. So we, context, right? so yeah, so this was the day after the party when I finished the movie and uh, our friend Christina was over and she, she had not even seen number one. The reason why I'm bringing this up, it's not a criticism of it. I actually kind of liked it because I liked that they made the assumption that I was just good to go for this storyline, right? And not hand, not holding your hand at all. Yeah, I like really it's almost like, like it would be it would be too tedious to like go right back through because it's basically the same storyline as the first one. It's just a new cast of characters, and so I kind of appreciated the fact that I, I just mean them going on a suicide mission. Obviously, different things sure. happen, yeah. but but I, I kind of appreciated the fact that all I had to say to her was. It's the Superman Batman universe. A bunch of criminals are in prison. They've got their own special powers and stuff. The government has a program where they put them in suicidal missions on behalf of the government in order to reduce their sentences. And she goes, Oh, okay. And I didn't have to say anything else. It was just like, just start watching. And I mean, like I think that's I thought that was kind of cool. R rating, right? I think that it, it's it's an R rated film. Like this is definitely a film for adults, and we the three of us are clearly all adults, as you can tell by our use of expletives for every other word in a sentence. Um but <laughs> um, I think that it, that that speaks to that, right? I mean, I think that James Gunn went into this knowing that he was gonna. He probably, I mean, he must have had 
discussions with Warner Brothers where he was like, I'm going to come in here, but I'm only going to take this job if I can do whatever I want. And you guys don't tell me what to do. So he knew what his vision was. And so he didn't have to hold our hands because he just assumed that he didn't have to explain things to us because we're adults and we can pick things up through, you know, our comprehension of film. Right. Like, I think that that was really cool about it. So I, I totally agree with you, Brian. Um, let's uh, let's let's break down some parts of the movie though um how did you guys feel about that opening not that i want to go through it step by step but that opening was a i I thought a very strong opening to a film it just sort of just throws you straight into the action there's not really a lot of you know like brian like we just was discussing there's no hand holding it's just sort of like here's a guy in prison now he's getting on a helicopter he's getting dropped and go you know what i mean they don't introduce any like first movie shows every single character gets a title card gets an explanation of who they are what they did how they got into prison you know explains why they're a villain this one is just like here's a bunch of people they're all on a helicopter on a mission now right like how did we feel about this i liked the intro quite a bit um although i I thought that it was heading in a pretty predictable direction if, I mean, I only watched one trailer of the film, the first trailer, and even then they, they revealed um, that there was two different Suicide Squad teams, which only makes sense if one of them dies. And uh, given that 90% of the characters in that first team were people I didn't care about, I mean, it's they, they threw some star power behind it. They threw fucking Michael Rooker in there as, as Javelin. They have Nathan Fillion there as, as, as detachable kid. Like, they put in big names. I, I mean, then, Nathan Fillion was uh, – excuse me. Uh, Michael Rooker was Savant. F- Flula Borg, the, the German comedian, was Javelin. Oh. Okay. All good. Totally fine. Just Who's the one to, that was the SNL kid? Uh, Pete, Pete, Pete Davidson, Davidson as Davidson. Blackguard. Yeah. Yeah, all, all those characters I could I could. I like that there was. I love that it was like all big name people on the first team. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like all like you know these people. You know what I mean? Like you may not know Flula Borg by name, but you've seen him in like the Pitch Perfect movies, or you've seen his stand up, or he's on. He's got like a big following on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. Like he's like you know he's somewhere in the zeitgeist. You've probably come across him at some point. He's in Pitch Perfect two, I think. Um, Either way, he's fun. He's very funny. Um, you you've seen Michael Rooker in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, Pete Davidson, obviously SNL. You have uh, you have Rick Flag from the first movie slash. It's Joel Kinnaman, so you've you've seen him in things. Um, and obviously Harley Quinn is in there, so they kind of lend some. Oh, and Boomerang, which. Uh, I was kind of bummed about that they they just like did away with him like that, but I almost feel like Jai Courtney was like, "Yeah, I'll come back, but fuck, fuck being in these movies, kill me off hella quick. I don't want to be in another DC movie. That first one was such a shit show for me. Like, I'm done. Just kill me. You know, I have yeah. to believe that that was the case. Although, ha- after seeing the returns off this, I wonder if he's like, uh, "So you want to bring me back and put me back in this? Cause people actually like this one." I don't know. So, so I thought the intro was fine. Uh, but it was predictable. As soon as the, the, the shooting started, I was like, yep, like there's going to be a second team, especially since we haven't seen the other half of this fucking cast that we know Obviously. is in the film. Um, but predictability is not a bad thing. I mean, it speaks to the issues that I have with a lot of movies these days that are like... <laughs> Game of Thrones. 
Game of Thrones, the Star Wars movies, where it was like, I don't want to be predictable. And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with being predictable. Just tell a good fucking story. That's sure. what you need if to be If it makes sense, on. I'm fine with being able to guess what happens. Just, yeah, stop focusing on fucking tricking me. Like, just tell a good story. I'm okay with getting things right. I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. Although, I mean, I, apparently, Jeff wants I'm to only upset. be tricked. I, I'm not upset. You look I mean, upset. I, look at you. You're I'm, crying. You're openly weeping right now. Let the record show that Jeff is crying his eyes out. So for me, like <laughs> absolutely with the, um, the deaths in the beginning, I've, I've actually seen multiple movies do that recently. The, the most uh, recent one to, that comes to mind is uh, the movie, the hunt. Have you guys seen that on HBO? I don't know if that ever made it into my recommendations, but I watched that one a couple of weeks ago. No, the only reason I would watch that movie is because I'm pre- Adam Brody is in it, right? He's in there at some point. I don't know who that is. Uh, I, well, I know for, for, a fact that Betty Gilpin is in it. The Hillary Swank the, is. Yeah, is she's the in there at one point. Uh, Betty Gilpin is the girl from Glow, who's like the really attractive blonde woman. Anyway, she's the, the main, main character. character in the hunt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, so in that movie, spoiler for the hunt. Um, what's yeah, uh, Julia? What's Julia Roberts's niece called? Uh, Emma Roberts. Yeah, she's in the beginning, and she gets her head blown off in the first scene. Hmm. And I was I mean, like, why would they let her in it? Like, I guess they're like, she was the most recognizable face in the movie other than Hillary Swank. Like, and so like, scream. they just kill her. I mean, that's, that's straight out of the screen book. Drew Barrymore is only in the opening scene of, of, uh, scream. And they basically make it seem like they're introducing the main character. And then, right. so full spoilers for a movie from 1997, but they, <laughs> they, you know, Ghostface just stabs her right in the fucking face. <laughs> Full spoilers for another Drew Barry movie, uh, E.T. Goes Home. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like the biggest star in all of the first Scream movie. And she's killed in the first five minutes. And it was right. like, and I just everybody was why, blown like, away that they did that. You know? Yeah. Like, well, now it's not like they blew off Emma Roberts' head. And I was like, it was almost like took away. It was like almost like a detraction. Like, what was the point? You weren't you know? shocked at all by some of the kills. Like, I mean, they position like so many people. Like, there's so they give all those people like sort of a kind of cool walk up. I mean, I knew most of them well, were gonna die, but like yeah. the way that they died was shocking. I was. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I expected them all to live, but at the same time, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is it almost feels like it's turning into some kind of movie trope to have big name people that you kill off right off the bat to shock the audience or something. Oh, you know what I mean? I definitely think that after this movie, it's a trope. I think after like yeah, like it was a GI Joe thing too, where the sequel had Channing Tatum come back as the main character and he dies two minutes in. Yeah, well, that's because they didn't have Channing Tatum under contract anymore. Because so why bring uh, him back at all? Just write him out of the story. They wanted to have like a bridge of the movies, but they didn't want to pay his full rate because the year before he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Um, So the trailers were were all about Channing Tatum. And then you watch the movie and he dies hella fast. I was like, okay, so they they spent the whole movie wondering if they were going to write him back in somehow. So they filmed the movie. And this is I don't want to talk about G.I. Joe much longer than this, but they filmed the movie during the year where he became the highest paid actor in Hollywood and had a lot of success, but they only filmed that one small part with him in it. And, and then used so his face for the, the marketing. year that it came out was the fi- the year afterwards where he had just become like Hollywood, like, you know, the Hollywood sweetheart. 
And so they were like, fuck, he's only in like the first 10 minutes. Like, what do we do? And they were like, fuck it. First 10 minutes is the whole trailer. Just make it seem like Channing's in every yeah. single scene in this movie. And so then they kill him. And then you're like, whoa, wait, what the fuck? But also, the fact that we just quick, listed like four movies where they kill the uh, the biggest name in the movie right off the bat, it tells me sure. it's, it is turning into a trope. This is a thing oh, it's now. For sh- it's for sure a trope. And I we all knew it was going to happen as soon as all those people showed up in that first scene. I mean, most of us did, right? Like, you can figure out, like, Javelin isn't in any of the other marketing except for the scenes that we see in the first 10 minutes of the movie, right? It's like, oh, I've just seen every single scene that they show of him in the trailers. Just in this first 10 minutes, he's not going to make it much longer, right? We all know that that's what's going to happen. But, you know, whatever. But how did we feel? Like, how did we like the action of that scene? How did we – did we like how it all worked out? I mean, long – Mongal running and jumping on the helicopter, pulling it down, killing a bunch of people, killing Boomerang, Javelin, and herself. What about Nathan Fillion's uh, arm fall off boy slash the detachable kid? Did you guys like the, the way that he can pop his arms off, but they can only move at like the same speed that like a person could walk, and what then without having the power, <laughs> and then without having the ability to like kind of like swing back and put your body weight behind a punch, all he can kind of do is just like wave his hands about and like slap people in the face. Yeah. He can't like create any leverage, you know what I mean? So all he can do is just kind of wave his hands. <laughs> the scene, the scene where they're just machine gunning his arms and he's just on the ground convulsing was so funny. <laughs> oh my god dude i was like crying it was so funny they're just like obliterating his arms (laughs) he's just screaming (laughs) uh that's a very james gunn thing to do and it it fucking worked it's so funny um i don't want this to just become uh remember that moment when but it's definitely i'm definitely gonna do that a couple more times uh i'm gonna get a big one out of the way I think one of the best jokes in the movie is when uh, Peacemaker, John Cena playing Peacemaker, says something about uh, eating all the dicks on a beach. And yeah, that's very funny. Ratcatcher says to him, who would put all these? Why would they put all the all the dicks on the beach? And he's like, who knows why mad men do what they do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a scenario that he created. But for some reason, it's someone else's problem. Oh, fuck. That shit literally made me cry. I was, like, tearing up. It's it's in the trailers, and I knew it was coming, and it still got me. It's so funny. Um, Yeah, I mean, I that's that that's the next thing. I mean, how did did you guys think it was funny? I mean, besides that, like... Yeah, I thought the film was funny. I mean, there's there's some good chemistry between... Like, there's a point where... Uh, I mean, it's a, they, they immediately recognize the comparison between Peacemaker and, uh, and Bloodsport. Where they turn around and they're like, these people are basically the exact same person. So oh, then everybody's this- been picked for their individual abilities, and then she gives the exact same description as she just did for Bloodsport. That was a great joke, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, although they did just kind of brush over the fact that they had literally put, gave Idris Elba the same exact motivation that they'd already given Will Smith's character in the first film. They're like, this is basically Will Smith 2.0. Well, so on that, I'm sure you already know. When Idris Elba was initially cast, it was announced, quote unquote, mistakenly, that he was going to be playing Deadshot. And they were like, they quickly came out and were like, oh no, he's Bloodsport. Because apparently, 
rumors rumor is Will Smith reached out and was like, "Yo, you recast my character. I still want to come back. I just can't come back for this movie because of scheduling conflicts. I still want to be that character. I don't want to leave and I'm still under contract with you guys, so you can't do that." And so they quickly changed it to a different black mercenary in with the, the daughter. DCEU. Well, Bloodsport in the comics is not a mercenary. He's like a psycho who thinks he went to Vietnam or something. I don't really know. He's a, he's a very obscure character from DC Comics. He's not like a he's not as big of a mainstay. No one, as no one went Deadshot, to go, but no one went to go see the movie to see Bloodsport in action. Right, De- like Idris Elba was cast as Deadshot clearly, and James Gunn wrote the script with Deadshot in mind. And then they were like, uh, fuck it. Just give him the exact same motivation and Which just is- change the interaction between the, the, the father and daughter to, to one of animosity rather than one of love and caring. You know what I mean? And yeah. honestly, that scene in the prison where they're just yelling, fuck you at each other was really great. I really liked that. I thought it was very good. I think, uh, overall though, I mean, like what the, what I was building towards was, uh, the, the scene where he and Peacemaker are walking through the camp, killing people and in like this kind of pissing contest. And he oh. turns around and hits the guy in the neck. Jo- and he's John like, Cena no. stabbing that guy up his body is like the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Because he just also, horribly is just like, uh, 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 all the way up while the guy's sleeping. <laughs> just want to throw out a quick applause to uh, DC for being the first superhero movie with just a full dick shot. <laughs> yeah. Full penis. I, there's, this, this is going to uh, throw some doubt on my sexuality real quick, but I just, I think, I think I may have said this on, on episodes before, but a full dick shot in a movie is just one of the easiest way to get me laughing. It's just so funny to just see a penis flopping around. Penises are very funny uh, parts of the human body. I just, they're so silly. <laughs> they don't make he he laughs at his too, guys. Don't worry. I do. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, why is that so small? I don't get it. Why is it so <laughs> So, so John Cena in that scene particularly was like everything I was hoping that he would be in that character, which is just this big brute, but at the same time, like, you know, he's egotistical, but, but he just, he literally struck me as like a different version of Drax the Destroyer. So, where, like, he felt like the same character to me, and that's great because that guy is is amazing for comedic relief in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Well, John Cena, Dave Batista is another wrestler with great comedic timing. I wouldn't necessarily call John. I don't think. I'm sorry. Dave, did I say Dave Batista? Dave Batista is a good actor or a good has good comedic timing. Um, I think that he can he can sell a joke really well. He can really commit because it wrestling requires that. John Cena can sell a joke. I think John Cena is genuinely like a good actor. Like I think that I would not be surprised if we actually see John Cena in the next five years start to take on genuinely dramatic roles. Like not just like, look how big I am. I'm funny, whatever. Like I could see him becoming like an actual, if, if he stops working out as much and isn't so big because he's comically large it's insane how big he is that scene where he's in his underwear first of all props to john cena if that's not a a fake penis like dude's got a hog oh no no (laughs) they they called me and said hey can you get can you come in for some shots we're gonna cgi yours onto him yeah i didn't mention that 
great big dick in those tidy whities also great joke the the tidy whities that's a racist joke very funny um if john cena becomes less huge you know because he's he's arnold right arnold can't do couldn't have done genuine dramatic roles in the 80s because he's just sir. too big conan de barbarian was it's so not, dramatic. it's it's comically dramatic you know what i mean like it's still like an action drama fantasy whatever but it's comical because he's so big he's playing a character that's larger than life right i think that john cena is actually like of the people who have transitioned from wrestling like i like the rock quite a lot and i'm interested to see what they do with black adam which apparently has wrapped filming but i actually think that john cena oh i just really oh fuck peacemaker can't go to toe with black adam I think I don't know. I just I, I really especially do think since that... Peacemaker's dead. No, what? Did you not watch the post credits? Uh, it's DC's oh, first post credits scene. They did brought they him back. His body? Is he the one that recovered? No, he's in the hospital. Yeah. So yeah, that I mean, they sort of recover his body. Black he, Adam he would flick through. that guy into another planet. Yeah, it's not. It, yeah, it's not a test. But I was gonna say, ah, oh, seeing John Cena and The Rock go toe to toe would be actually pretty sick. Um, then you just need to come up with a movie where. The Rock, John Cena, and Drax are all like completely at odds with each other. Yeah, I just want to see. I I don't think David Bautista is that great of an actor, but at the same time, I feel like you you can make a great movie with those three guys all counter counterpart in each other. I actually think that uh, Dave Bautista with a with a decent wig on could play Lobo pretty well. Jeff, what do you think? Except for the fact that he says he doesn't want to take any more physical roles. Yeah, because he's old. He's in his 40s now, and it's hard to be that buff all the time. I think he just doesn't want to take any roles where he has to have his shirt off for 90% yeah. of the film or go through that much makeup. And Lobo wears a shirt and a leather vest, so he would have to wear much less makeup, uh, but he would have to be pale. Um, that being said, whatever. Um, back to this movie <laughs> that we actually saw. Um, what was it that I – oh, what was it that we were talking about? It was – John Cena's. I was talking about the pissing contest between Idris Elba and John Cena. Yeah, and, and Brian liked the part humorous. where he got stabbed. So you guys just jump in from there. Where were you gonna go? I just liked the the scene where he shot the guy. And it was a non fatal wound, and then he's like, "Unless it's an exploding bullet," and the guy blows up behind him. And he's like, "No one likes to show off," and he's like, "Well, not unless I'm showing off something super fucking cool." And he's like, "God fucking damn it!" Uh, he says, "Fuck, that's true." <laughs> <laughs> that is true no one likes to show off until the show off is doing something pretty sick actually um yeah i uh yeah i i, I genuinely can't speak high enough of this movie um what did you guys think of the twist uh with peacemaker becoming sort of the villain in the middle of the movie I mean, I think it makes sense for his character from the comics. I wasn't super familiar with him, so I brushed up on him. But him being this kind of obstinate character that's kind of like this pure willpower um, being that once he sets his mind to something, he doesn't really have the ability to, to change it, um, I think makes sense for the direction. Like It made sense logically through, through, through the context of the film that I, I enjoyed that development. Um, I thought that them killing Rick Flagg was, you know, sad, but at the same time powerful. Uh yeah. I just didn't really understand why Peacemaker was in prison and was one of these guys if he seems so, so like pure. This is actually something that I wanted to talk about actually. Um so I'm glad that you brought that up. I think that this movie is opening up a world where Amanda Waller is stalking Bell Reeve 
with people who are super powered for whatever reason she can to use them as task force task force x uh basically she's just like oh that's a villain who has been formidable put him over here oh that's a villain who kind of sucks fuck it we'll use them as the people on the front line who get mowed down while the good people fucking get what they need you know what i mean like what is savant what is you know what weasel weasel was a character i mean (laughs) weasel was hilarious he's barely sentient they they're like he killed 17 children but he agreed to be here with us did he how he doesn't seem to be able to to speak or he doesn't really seem to be responsive to anything he can't swim like he's barely he he barely exists in like a, a, a frame of reference that he acknowledges that it, his own self you know what i mean like how did he agree to anything that's like me saying my dog agreed to go on a car ride with me because he jumped in the car he doesn't know what the fuck he's agreeing to he just did something you know anyway um they really like they just threw all these villains in there and they're just like all right just they're they're a distraction although i did think it was interesting i mean in the context of the movie why would amanda waller also put harley quinn and rick flag in that in that group i mean their plan was for them to rendezvous she couldn't have known that blackguard was going to betray them i i got the feeling that she pushed blackguard into betraying them uh, that's what I mean. That that might be my own reading of the film, but I thought that maybe she told Blackguard to reach out to them, and then, and Blackguard thought that it was like all a plan, and then then he got killed, and then, because Blackguard like, Blackguard didn't like hide it from his team at all. He just like went out and he was like, "Hey, no, 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 it's all good, guys. We're all here. We're all here." You know I mean, what he says is, "I brought them all." So it's it's. I don't know. It's clear. It's, it would say, I got the implication that he was trying to betray them to secure his own freedom on that island. I thought but that's what they said. He was in prison. But he was in prison under the thumb of Amanda Waller. You think anything happens in Bell Reeve that Amanda Waller is not aware of? I I think for the context of the film, it, it makes sense that she sent out two different teams just to, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Totally possible. Um, let's talk about some performances other than John Cena. Um, did anyone have like a standout character yep. that they weren't expecting to be? Absolutely. I think that Ratcatcher was the best character in the film by far. So that's, she's been the focus of a lot of love, uh, since the movie came out with, uh, a lot of people calling her the heart and soul of the film, which, um, you know, not surprising. Right. Um, Daniela Melchior, I think her name is, she's like a, uh, portuguese actress i believe Let's, how about each of us go through and say their their, their best and then we'll do their worst like the, who do you think the best character in the film was and who do you think the worst character in the film was uh okay um brian do you want to do you want to jump in or best character um i mean obviously i i like john cena a lot i was telling tyler the other day that there's something about a dude that's just absolutely massive but they can still deliver comedically that i can just i just really appreciate and always hits my funny bone um Rock is one of the early dudes doing that. Uh, Drax, John Cena, just there's a whole group of them now. But but at the same time, I just appreciate those three since we've been talking about them. But um, John uh, Cena really refer to Dave Batista as just Drax. He's just Drax. I can never remember his name. He's just Drax. Always call him that. <laughs> but anyway, so Drax. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, so so I, I really like John Cena. Um, Idris Elba is obviously an extremely talented actor. Um, this role, he just didn't. I don't. I don't know. I just he was just he didn't do kinda, anything he, different. With yeah, he, he was, was just, just kind of like, himself, which like he, he didn't take good, away from it at all. But he, he didn't like yeah. dominate the screen or anything. Um, the the rat catcher chick, yeah, she didn't really blow my mind or anything, and I'm not really understanding the outpouring of love for that performance. I think it was just that she was just genuine. You know what I mean? Like it was a character who was really sweet. Um, yeah. My favorite was. I King just didn't Shark. really like the whole thing they were implying because she's um, a millennial that she was lazy. I think was what was bugging me. But yeah, whatever. But can you guys uh, hear me? Yeah, yeah, we, can hear yeah we heard you. Yeah, oh, King okay. Shark was King Shark. He was the guy who's like hand, right? Yeah, yeah. He was pretty funny too. He the only funny. shark character in the movie. Yeah, it was that one. Um. <laughs> sorry Brian's face was so dissatisfied by that retort um yeah I really liked King Shark the whole time they were being so mean to him and every time I was just like why are they I like him why are they being mean to him I really like him he I mean he was ridiculous uh King Shark in the comics is never portrayed as like a dumbass like uh, he's always like sort of like this honorable like foe of Aquaman's and so to see him just kind of portrayed as like this <laughs> this big kind of affable idiot who eats people was I, I thought it was very funny and i thought he was very sweet um so that was my that was my favorite obviously i liked Ratcatcher. i thought that that actress was really great i'm excited to see what she does in future roles I th- i'd say my runner-up on a character that i really liked was david dust malkian uh playing polka dot man a real like when i heard that polka dot man was in the movie i was like oh he's killed in the first 10 minutes um and they changed the character quite a lot from Batman comics where he has different polka dots that can do different things. Like one of them turns into a flying saucer that he rides around Gotham city. And really? one, some of them turn into like portals and shit like that. I, I thought that they, they turned it in. They, they twisted the character and made him more of an interesting character where like his mom Definitely. fucked him up. I loved the recurring, like I see my mom everywhere joke, especially at the end where it's his yeah. giant mom punching a building. <laughs> Dude. When he's me. like dancing, when he's like dancing at the club, just like oh, feeling himself. God. And it's just those him surrounded dance by his moves, mom. <laughs> I'm adopting those dance moves for the rest of my life. I thought that was so funny. Um, yeah. I just, I, uh, I, I really like them. So did did uh, we have a least favorite? You you had asked about least favorite, Jeff. Did you ever? I will, least but favorite? first, I, I do want to talk about David Mal uh, Malst- Malkian. Das this, Malkian or something. Yeah, this something guy like has I don't even been know if that's correct. in so many different superhero films, by the way. Yeah, I think that he's yeah he plays he's in Dark Knight, a movie I he's referenced in, earlier. He's in, so he's in the he's Dark Knight. In he's, the Flash. He's, uh, he's also in Ant Man. He's one of the 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 hackers there. Um. And then I, I think there's a fourth one, maybe. He played uh, Lex Luthor, the animated version of Lex Luthor in The Long Halloween. Oh, the movie that's just come out with uh, my yeah. boy from Supernatural, who uh, I found out I had share a birthday with. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Fred, you yeah, know, no, that one. J- j- that guy. The Supernatural, right? Yeah, uh, yeah I just said it. Yeah. I can't remember his name now for some reason. That'll um, uh, come to me. So, the same my guy least plays favorite. Red Hood. Now he's Batman. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. He Me plays. Uh, he's he's considered to be the voice. So my least favorite. I mean, Brian. Brian shared a lot of these uh, issues with this character and her solo film. But Harley Quinn was unnecessary for me in this film. Uh, okay, go ahead. 
No, I mean, like, for, like, I'm going to echo, if you guys go back and listen to our Harley Quinn coverage, like, I, I like Brian, and when we covered that coverage, what is her superpower? Her superpower is fucking nothing, and yet half the film is devoted to being like, we need Harley Quinn. We don't leave one behind. And it's like, okay, leaving people behind is literally the fucking purpose of this team. So the fact that that, that Amanda Waller's not fucking threatening to blow your brains off the second you guys go off mission like she is later, huge inconsistency, huge plot hole. They formulate a plan to break in and uh, break into this Capitol building to, to save her. And they don't plan on using King Shark because he's over there staring at some fucking bird. They have some other stupid plan and they discover that she's already there. So they didn't even need to save her. It wasn't purposeful to the to plot, plot of the film to, to do it. And what was the purpose of saving? They were willing to risk people to get a woman whose superpower is insanity. Like it just didn't make sense to me. It was a useless part of that film. And I don't think that she added me. I don't think she, she contributed to that film at all for me. Um, this I film, think that the one that we just watched, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I don't disagree. think she, I, I, her entire role for me was this, this heavily, heavily handed foreshadow of being passed on the javelin, which she then uses to puncture the eye that the rats go on. I mean, you telling me that the rats aren't going to be able to puncture that, that eye surface without the, the javelin creating the hole. That's uh, not what anyone's telling you. I think that she chose to do that. I, I, I 100% disagree with you. I'm, a, I'm, I'm cutting you off, Jeff. Um, I think that this was Margot Robbie's best performance since Wolf of Wall Street. I think that she was this was the first time with her as Harley Quinn that I was like, I get it now. I get this character. I get what everyone likes about Margot Robbie in in this character. Like, I actually really like it. I think that she really has come into her own after playing it. And I thought that action scene with her escaping was really great. I really loved that she like choked that guy out with her legs. And then she it shows her lift him up with just her arms. I, no, none of it makes any sense. But we're watching a comic book movie where there's a human shark hybrid running around eating people. Like, so, there's a woman who can yeah. call rats with a fucking light bulb on a wand. Like, what the fuck? Like, of course, so, it doesn't yeah. fucking matter if she has a superpower. And also, um, them going off mission, Amanda Waller didn't have comms with them at that time. So she didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They were just off, so she didn't know what they were doing. I think she would have blown their heads off had she known what they were doing, but that's not – they already wrote that into the film, so that argument is invalid. Um, second of all, I think that Harley Quinn is a valid member of the team because she shows her skills and her abilities to just wipe people out in the same way that John Wick shows his abilities to wipe people out. You don't have the same problems with John Wick, do you? I, what I'm saying is any role that they have to use Harley Quinn in, they could easily just send in the fucking bulletproof shark instead. Like Harley Quinn is not an essential member of that, of that team for whatever, That's whatever the next step of the plan is to, un to undercover project starfish does not need Harley Quinn. Sure. But she's like the most popular character in DC movies right now. Like she's by far like the standout that everybody likes for. Some I would have very much preferred until this movie. I would have very much preferred for the movie to continue and Harley Quinn break out and then show up and then be pissed off that they didn't try and rescue her. And they're like, well, we're the fucking Suicide Squad. We thought you were dead. We had no way of knowing that you had even survived yet. Somehow Rick Flagg has, has, has attained that information off screen. <laughs> Brian, you have some thoughts? You tried to cut in a second ago. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take my shots at Harley too. So, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I guess dig in. So... I'm going to say again, and this is after we talked about the first one, I was kind of ripping on her. Um, 
she's perfect for Harley Quinn. Like, I don't think anyone's really questioning that. But, yeah, like, it's kind of annoying the way they portray her in these movies. They did it again with the whole, like, she's inexplicably a good fighter. Like, where did she learn how to fight? The Joker taught her? The Joker's not that good of a fighter, is he? Like, where did she even learn, like, advanced martial arts like that? Like, she's suddenly Black Widow or something? Like, advanced proficiencies and all kinds of different weapons and stuff? Like, it just... Was kind of looking at her like, dude, hold on a second, because in the first movie she had this weird like luck power going on, going her way. Oh, look not, a quarter, and the then first... the bullet goes flying right where her head just was and shit. Like, not the first movie. That's Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I've got mixed You're up good. there. But You're good. I just want to. This fans will reach out. I mean, no one this, has yet yeah. with our wild inaccuracies, but just in case well, we ever get popular. Hopefully, Margot reaches out. I will apologize personally if she reaches out. <laughs> God. She really genuinely is. She's gorgeous. But anyway, she's so and she's a yeah, talented yeah. actress that I think very fits good. Harley and, very well. But the Harley character itself confuses me because in one movie, she's just kind of this kooky, you know, girlfriend. And then the next movie, she's got this like power of luck thing keeping her alive. And then in this one, suddenly she's Scarlet Joe in Black Widow. And kicking ass in the hallways. And I'm like, where did you learn how to fight like that? You were a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever. I think we're at the point where we don't need them to explain the backstories of characters. I mean, it's the same thing that we're at with comic books, right? Like, they introduce a character and you're just like, okay, this person can fight. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I guess. They it, don't need to tell us that it, Bruce it Wayne all, but... studied for a million years in the fucking Alps or whatever the fuck. He, you know, he, he, you just introduce a character and they're like, okay, they're a hand to hand combatant because, they yeah. And the other, the other thing I was going to say is that part where she was stabbing people and like butterflies, like colorful butterflies were coming out of them. I kind of mm-hmm. wanted them to do more shit like that with her character because I kind of I appreciated that I it kind really of hinted that, that she's like living in a different world a little bit. And I was like, right, dude, I kind of want to see it like every time that like we're in like, like a POV of her character kooky ass shit happening around her because like she's just crazy you know like there's times where she's like hanging out and i'm like is she even crazy you know but then you see that and she's stabbing guys and like confetti or whatever the hell it was was coming out of them and i was like like, that is hilarious and and it totally makes me just accept that she's nuts you know what i mean because she's just like like and shit is not going like it's not real the reality is not registering for her so i kind of like that and i wanted to see more of that that scene where she's mowing through people with the machine guns and there's just like instead of blood splatter it's like coming out as like flowers and like animated yeah. birds and shit i thought that was incredible i, I could really appreciate loved that, shit scene out of that yeah quite a lot um and like i think you nailed that nailed it right on the head right there i think that that's her, that's her version of what's happening like that's how right. she sees it happening right and so really do more of that. that and i yeah i totally agree i totally agree and i hope that that becomes a motif that they use with harley quinn in future films margot robbie has come out and said that she's excited and super down to just keep playing harley quinn in dc films yeah, i hope that they use that i i honestly i think that that character like i don't like to Jeff's point, I think that they brought her in again because of her popularity, because she is such a popular character. They had to keep using her in the film. Also, it's yeah. Margot Robbie, the most bankable star who was still left in the film. Not that Idris Dude, Elba and, and I, I can't have carry no a problem. film on his own, but she's Margot yeah. Robbie. Like obviously, I have no that's problem the with her being in it. Make. Yeah, I have yeah, no problem totally. with her being in it. I'm just, my argument is I just want them to kind of pick a direction for that character. Like, okay, is she getting by on just innocence and luck? Is she getting by because? She's fucking bonkers, and somehow that helps her 
stay out of danger or is she getting by because she's a badass you know combatant that can hold her own no matter what like pick one because i feel like i'm getting different versions here and it's kind of annoying because i'm suddenly like questioning how did that how is that working you know like how did where did you get trained like that you know why is it that you have this luck thing do you actually have an actual power or are we just assuming that that's just going to keep happening over and over for no explainable reason you know right like i, I just want them to pick a direction becomes... and stay with it I personally hope that this version of her, like this direction that they did in this movie, becomes the direction they continue with her because this is the first time I've actually liked her as Harley Quinn. Um, not that I, I, I stood by Birds of Prey. I, I spoke for it on our Best of 2020 episode. Um, I liked her in that, but this was like the first time that I was like, oh, okay, I get what other people were into here. Um, Brian, was what, what was your worst character here did you have to be one? honest with you I, I didn't know about all the love for that rat catcher chick but i i kind of didn't really like the millennial trope thing i just don't really get it anymore like the whole but they only made like one joke about her no it's the whole first millennial. part of the movie she was like yawning and acting like she was about to go to sleep and all kinds of crap unless they explained that she has narcolepsy and i didn't catch it it was a millennial joke that they kept running with that she was just lazy and didn't give a fuck and yeah. i was just kind of like know. okay i get that joke let's go like I, I was kind of hoping that they were building towards that that when she's unconscious she can control the rats that she was like learning or, or adapting some kind of a superpower where she can control the rats without the device but that is not what they ended up doing yeah they but, didn't do that but I actually would have liked that too um, Taika Waititi played her dad just wanted to quickly jump out and say that loved that loved that end scene super powerful yeah and it was a great metaphor for the rest of the movie where it was like well even if these these People, these you know these creatures who are so looked down on society can do something good then maybe we should pay more attention to them thought that was a really good metaphor for the characters uh in the movie who were villains who didn't really give a shit but now they were going to go and try to save what was left of this city i thought that that was a good metaphor and it, it really tied up the narrative of the film i think that Ratcatcher also is uh stands as evidence or at least her she, she has a moment but i think that stands as evidence for tyler's earlier theory about um amanda waller uh, jailing some of these people without due cause because she talks that they're like oh why are you here and she's like oh they arrested me for armed robbery or 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 you know robbing a bank and she kind of scoffs at it as if it's like clearly untrue um and and like her indignation about talking about the crime seemed to me that she was like i'd like you know amanda waller basically chose for me to be here was the implication that i got i mean yeah i mean she clearly put polka dot man there because she was like, well, this guy's going to have some sort of benefit to me in the future. Right. Like otherwise he's just some suicidal dude. Um, How does polka dot man, where does he throw up in the, in the prison cells? <laughs> uh, well, they have the power dampener on him. So maybe oh, he doesn't yeah, have the same issues. Um, you think he would want to keep that thing on. <laughs> yeah. Forever. Right. Yeah, or why is he taking that? Off? I, I genuinely like with how much he talked about wanting to be dead. I was like, in my head, I was like, well, why doesn't he, like, I thought he was just going to like walk away from the team and have Amanda kill it, like blow his head off. I thought that was going to happen early on. And then they, they didn't do that because it was sort of like he found his family. Um, but yeah, I, uh, what did you guys think of the thinker and Starro? We, we haven't talked about that at all. Was anyone else just like really uncomfortable with the, <laughs> with Starro? That that thing creeped me out. The way that he had like these like vents that opened, and then there's just like all these like slits in his skin, and they were just like wiggling. And ugh, God, it grossed me out so much. <laughs> it like lifts up its armpit, and a bunch of like fucking sperm 
starfish squirt out of it and grab people in the face and that was all bleh did not like that at all but i i mean as starro like that's the only way that you could use starro in a film starro is like the first villain the justice league ever faced in a comic book together um so he, he has like a really big history in comics um so I think that then like I always wondered if they would ever use him because he's such a ridiculous character and I'm really glad that they used him this way because I don't think that they ever could have used him in an actual Justice League movie and had anyone take it seriously but um you know I think it really worked in this film how did you guys feel about that I think um I found Starro very interesting I'm a big space guy I, I thought the whole concept of this just powerful being that was just content to be to just float and drift through eternity was cool. And like, yeah. I thought it was kind I mean, of almost sad that they're like, they've captured this thing, like in humans are just perverting something natural. And, oh, and you nailed it. That's exactly where I wanted this conversation to go. And you hit it right off the bat. Yeah. It's, and they it's make just him like a tragic message. villain. They make him a super, right. tra- like, like, I don't want to be last, here. Yeah. I don't want to do this moment where he was like, I was content to be floating floating in space looking yeah at the that stars. stuck with me for sure because That's, i was yeah, like dude, wow like it's just crazy that we're just this like <laughs> we're just this blip in time and yet like this eternal thing is is impacted by us because we're just so destructive you know what i mean and we're just so self-serving that we couldn't just let that thing float on you know what i mean so before we we hit on that point jeff i want to hear but we're coming back to that brian because that that leads me to like my final point that i really want us to hit before we move on but jeff how did you feel I think that the thinker was wasted potential there. I, I didn't think that they could have didn't didn't have to kill off his character and and uh, whatever. That's a fucking one of the most minor villains that you could possibly choose in DC. It's it just, so dumb. It was so minor of a role that they could have just thrown in some random fucking scientist. Yeah. Why did they even need that guy? Character. They didn't even flex his like ability to think or whatever. Right. But he, well, he's a villain. He is a villain, and he's one of the actual only actual true villains we see in the film, besides Amanda Waller. I mean, he is just unrepentant evil, right? Like everything he does is terrible. He's actually testing on humans. He's actively torturing this space alien and testing on it for 30 fucking years and unrelenting and making fun of it and giving it the name The Conqueror in a in like a derogatory sense because he's making fun of this alien for his whole life. You know, did you guys like how the... The starfish had the same Scottish accent that he had because that's how it learned English. Did anyone else pick up on that? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. The voice of Star, I don't know if it is uh, the same actor, but it's the guy who he played Doctor Who for a while. Um, he they had like uh, it had the same accent that he has, which I, I don't know if it's Scottish or Welsh, but or Irish or what. But it's one of those, you know, other UK accents besides, uh, you know, the, the London accent. But um it had like the same accent and i picked up on that uh, as you know their representation of this is how starro learned english is through him so it, ha- it picked up his accent which i, I like that, f- that that bit um but jeff how did you how did you like starro i like starro a lot I, I think that it was the best possible use of of the character um i think it was spoiled in the trailers for me though i i uh i want to say mm. but uh, yeah. for the most part I would have liked it to be withheld a little like until the movie, but that's not how movies work anymore. You know what I mean? It's the same thing as like, I would have liked to not known the Hulk was in Thor Ragnarok, but 
they obviously are going to tell you because that's going to get your blood pumping. Um, but yeah, so back to Brian's point, that tragedy of sorrow and like how he was withheld and how we destroy things. This movie had a anti-America message that could not be possibly avoided. So I want to check with you guys. You guys picked up on that, right? There was so much messaging yeah. about the American government meddling in foreign affairs and how we destroy nature. And there's just, there's explicit references where they say, Oh, Americans coming in and shooting first and asking questions later, how they, they come into that camp that we talked about earlier and kill all these people and then find out that they were the peacekeepers. And they're just like, Oh, sorry, we're on a mission. You know what I mean? Um, or when he, he turns to uh, when Bloodsport turns to the girl and says, we're not here to kill your, or to save your friends or to help you. We're here for our own thing. Like, we're not here to save you. We're here to do our thing. And we don't care if we kill your friends or destroy your whole fucking country. We're just here to do our thing, you know? Um, and the Starro thing, like, the and, like, Rick Flag and Peacemaker's tension in their scene is Rick Flag is like, well, I've been working for America my whole life to find out that they're doing all this shit. Like, I can't, I can't abide that. Like, that's not what I stand for. And Peacemaker's like, well, I am America. I will represent peace no matter what it takes. Um, quick tangent, that scene where he they're rescuing Harley Quinn and Peacemaker's like, I've got the lone person in the building in sight. And it's just some cleaning lady wiping off a desk. And he's just like ready to blow her brains out. Just speaks so much volumes about that character. He does not give a fuck about anyone. But like, I mean, he is the anti-Captain America, but like probably the most real representation of what Amer Captain America would be in the real world. You know what I mean? It's somebody who just so believes in the American ideal that he'll do whatever it takes to preserve the it. The greater good. Right? Um, and I think that that Starro thing, I think the only reason Starro's a villain in this movie is because you see in that video of the American astronauts, they have Starro tied up and they're making fun of it in that video and then star unleashes its people to 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 or it's a starfish to take over the people to free himself and then the the spaceship crashed on earth and then the americans took hold of him shipped him over to uh corto maltese is that what it was called and uh do tests on him for 30 fucking years and the only reason that we went there to destroy anything was to because there was proof that America had involvement and we couldn't let the rest of the world know that we had involvement in that. I mean, it was, you know, not to be, you know, soy boy socialist uh, Tyler over here living in Portland, but I mean, it really spoke like it had that same sort of messaging that Falcon and the Winter Soldier had, which was like a very poignant dissection of the American dream and how that American dream is built on a series of lies that we all choose to ignore for most of the time, you know? And I think that this was James Gunn kind of standing up and being like, yeah, it's not great. Like, we're not great. Like, as much as we're the greatest nation in the world, we're really not, though. Like, we really have fucked over a lot of people. And we've, we, it, you know, it's come at the cost of a lot of natural, you know, species and things that didn't really need to be put in the danger that we've, you know, we've done to them. So, I don't know. I thought that that was really poignant. Did anyone else feel that way and pick up on that sort of messaging jeff you're nodding yeah definitely i mean i think that the the anti-american vibes are there not so much the uh anti-nature as you're saying i didn't pick up so much on that 
but uh, definitely. Well, that's, that's that line. That's that final line that Starro says. I was content to be floating in space, looking on the stars or whatever he says. You know sure. what I mean? That's, that's I, I that think it definitely like, touches. I didn't want any of this. I mean, Ratcatcher's uh, monologue, not monologue, but has a scene too, where she talks about how, you know, she was fine in France, but she chose to come to America because that's what everyone does. And since then, her life just got worse, right? She's and like, it Fuck. was a lie. Yeah. She was like, well, everyone told me to go to America. And then I got here and it was just as bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's fucked up. You're right. It's a lie that we tell immigrants. They're like, no, yeah, come over here and work for pennies on the dollar while the white people just continue to subjugate you. Won't that be great for you? Brian, how did you how did, I mean, you, you're the one that brought this up. I want to let you kind of ex- expand on it a little bit further. Did you pick up on those same things? Did you pick yeah. up on anything I missed? I picked up less on the anti-American stuff, although I, I do see your point. Um, I think for me, I was just so stuck by the end of the film on that whole thing with Starro where I'm like, dude, they literally created this out of nothing. Like, just leave them alone. You know what I mean? Like, like, why do we feel the need to take something just because we found it? Like, why can't you just like... Like, I understand mankind's search for answers and understanding in the universe, but I don't know. Just, you know, there's there's no justifying the decades of experimenting on a creature like that. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm only talking about it because I feel like in the real world, this is exactly what would happen, you know? And I mean, it's like it's scary to think how real that Idaho, is. Right. Did you guys, have you guys heard about this? Mm-mm. Idaho is open season on all wolves in Idaho. Basically. They're like, if you see a wolf, kill it because the wolf population is taking out farmland, but we have encroached on their forest. We are tearing down the forest where the wolves live naturally and have been, for year, like you know, thousands of years, evolving right. into what they are, and, and we've we encroached on it so far. We've, we've de- domesticated we've, food just sitting there. We have domesticated their food sources, and now are fencing them off and saying, "Oh, well, they're taking sheep away from us and cows away from us. Kill them." We're creating the villain out of something that was just existing naturally, right. you know. And that's anyone who yeah. wants to you didn't know about that. Go look it up. I'm not going to get super into it because this isn't my uh, ecology podcast, but it's fucked up. Go donate, educate yourselves. Yeah. So I was struck by that. That's all. I don't have much to elaborate on there. I just was struck on that and how much I kept thinking like, man, if astronauts really came across a creature like this, I could see this exact thing happening. You know what I mean? Like, and that's sad to think about, but not to be a downer, but yeah, that's my final takeaway. That final moment of the film is the reason I think I keep coming back is because or I went back three times is because I just I thought that that was such a strong message to send in this movie that was so funny and didn't really seem to be about that. But there's this underlying anti-American message, not even necessarily anti-American, really. It's not anti anything. It's just showing America like, yo, maybe what we've been doing like that, like they literally go into that country that is trying to figure their way out. And granted there are terrible people in the government there and they show that. And maybe those people don't need to be in power, but the way that the Americans went in and handled it isn't necessarily the best way either. Because what we did was we went in there to protect our own asses, not save any of those people or help any of those people. We just wanted to destroy the proof that we had any part in that. You know what I mean? It wasn't about the people. It was about saving our own asses. And they even show that in the moment where they're like, all right, well, the, you know, the mission, we destroyed the tower. Uh, and like, do you want us to deal with this kaiju? And she's like, nah, get out of there. Like, I don't care about that. Yeah. That's not why you're there. You know? And it's like, God damn, that's 
fucked up? Like, why shouldn't we be there to help these people? Like, isn't that what the mission should really be about? Like, you know, and that's, I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's that messaging is really what brought me back over and over, you know, the three times that I've watched it. Granted, I probably won't watch this movie again for a few years, but it, that stuck with me really heavily throughout the watch of, you know, all three times I watched this film. I just, I thought that that messaging was really strong and really powerful and really accurate, you know, especially given what we've seen in the last several years, including last year with that crazy, weird, botched Venezuelan coup that Trump maybe had a, a hand in or whatever, not to talk shit about Trump. But again, I will say if you voted for Trump or in any way, Trump supporter, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> um, anyone else have any final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap this bit up and move into recommendations? No, nope. Jeffrey, that was it for me. Go release, release the air cut. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Let's really quick. Talk about that. <laughs> Do you think that there's merit in releasing that air cut? No. Because when they initially screened the air cut, it got horrible reviews from the test audiences. They didn't like it. And that's why they went back and reshot that film. Yeah. You know, people kidding. did not like the representations that, that were given us. So I don't think that it's the same way. I mean, not that Snyder's Justice League was very good, but it does make me wonder, like, what, what I understand from what I understand, they when they re-edited the film, they tried to make it more fun. And the parts that I enjoyed about the first film were the fun parts. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, uh, no, don't release the air cut. I was just kidding. Uh, okay, that's fine. Release the Trank cut. That one, I am serious. I about. am actually um, interested in seeing what Trank was working towards. I would anyway. watch that. Um, no, cool. no, no, no. Well, final, let's move no, into I... recommendations. I'm going to put it to Brian first. Brian, what do you got? What have you been watching, reading, listening to? Uh, rewatching Spartacus, and it's been fantastic. All right, moving on, Jeff. What do you got? <laughs> do they do they not show enough dong in Spartacus for you, Tyler? Oh my God, too much dong. That was so much dick, and that that. All right, let's talk about Spartacus. <laughs> let's take a step back, Brian. <laughs> Spartacus is a softcore porno with swords and blood. That's all it is. It's literally just boobs, dicks, and butts, and sex scenes, and in between those people fighting there's almost no story i watched the whole first season with you guys when i first came home from college no and, story and i was like what is this fucking show what is this show it's just a series of sex scenes loosely strung together around gladiators fighting it was i, I genuinely couldn't make heads or tails of it it's like they took the wrong messaging from Zack snyder's 300 and they were like oh remember how everyone likes seeing lena Headey's boobs <laughs> What if we made a whole show about that in that same weird sepia tone and then also took some action scenes from Gladiator mixed with the action scenes from 300 and then just made a, you know, a, a, a three season show about that. And right, what's your recommendation? Heads were like, I'm what's sorry, your recommendation? Boobs? <laughs> I don't, I don't actually have one, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um so I, I first off, you're wrong. Spartacus. There's tons of good storylines. And if you go in looking for the fucking boobs, looking for the awesome fight scenes, you're not disappointed when you watch that show. So maybe <laughs> you should start looking for something else. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't and, know. And there's they... plenty of storylines, dude. Plenty of storylines. Lucy Lawless is naked in that. And I, I was not disappointed by that at all. So I'll just say that out loud. 
I don't know who the casting director who who told Manu Bennett that it was a good idea for him to talk like this, but it's it was a horrible That's, it was a horrible that choice. Annoying. That is a little Chris, annoying. Christopher lie. Nolan, I think. I think he was trying to audition for Batman. Yeah, <laughs> he literally spends the entire the entire show, all five seasons, just uh, like whispering. So annoying. It's like, gosh, I'm pretty sure in somewhere. the middle of one of his gladiator fights, he goes, "I'm Batman." I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, real quick story. Um, friend of well uh, an old friend of my wife's and i and my wife were all out at a nightclub and who should show up at the nightclub but manu bennett or bannett or however we pronounce his last name and he started coming up to our friend well she's not our friend anymore but this girl that we know knew and being like oh yeah I'm I'm here with that girl over there, but uh, she wants to have a threesome, and uh, I think that you would be a great fit to our friend. And it's like throughout the, and she kept saying no to him, and he kept being like, "Yeah, so last chance, we're probably going to be leaving soon. So if you want to come, I'm pretty famous. Like you can look me up." (laughs) 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 I was really trying to have a threesome with one of our friends, Uh, and uh, to her credit. Uh, she denied uh, him, uh, Mr. Bennett or Bennett or whatever your name is. Feel free to come at me if you'd like. <laughs> but uh, I was there and I saw you do it. So um, don't. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he handled it somewhat respectfully. So whatever. <laughs> it, it was. He wasn't being creepy. I shoot just, or shoot, I bro. Shoot or shoot. Was, <laughs> it was very funny to me. I was like, wow, that guy was in Spartacus and a bunch of other things I've seen him in. Um, and and was would go on to play Deathstroke eventually in the Arrowverse. But uh, yeah, he uh, he got denied by a friend of mine. So nice. There's That's a good story. Jeff, do you, story. Do you have anything to recommend before we wrap it up? Uh, I started watching the Val Kilmer documentary, which, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't realize, I didn't know this, that he, he got diagnosed with throat cancer. Um, yeah, his, like a couple of years back. His, he, he, so the, 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 it's a documentary of basically he's owned a film camera since, uh, he was a child. He and his brothers, he has two old, he has two brothers, um, used to make movies together. And then one of his brothers passed and they stopped doing that, but he took, he, carried on the tradition of owning a film camera and has documented his entire life, all the behind the scenes footage and everything. That's so um, weird. Heath Ledger has a documentary because he was the exact same way, constantly filming himself all the and, time. Uh, it's interesting. I, I'm enjoying it for all the, the behind the scenes footage. The entire thing is narrated by his son, Jack. Uh, but then they also mix it in with real time footage of, of while they were editing the documentary of, of Val Kilmer going out and doing things. And, and the, the scenes with, with him trying to talk with the throat cancer is it's, um, it's tough, uh, yeah. To to watch to start. It's uh, I don't know, so. But I have a very important question to ask about this documentary. Do they provide any semblance of an explanation for the scene in Batman Forever when he jumps out of the courtroom in full Batman uniform when Harvey like for for the listener at home who isn't as into the Batman movies as I am, but. There's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Harvey Dent is interviewing a criminal and they, they redo the famous criminal throws acid on Harvey Dent's face um, scene from the comics. And it in that scene, they cut to Batman 
running out of the back of the courtroom and jumping over some of the benches and diving to try to block Harvey's face, which insinuates that Batman was just in the court <laughs> during the court proceedings in full Batman gear, just watching, just watching the court happen. Do they go into an explanation of that? I, because I, I really need to know what was going on there. <laughs> I, I could have stopped you a while ago. Uh, I haven't got that far. I watched half of it before oh. I had to go to work. Um, but there was an interesting, so I don't know uh, if they will touch on that. <laughs> I'm going to guess that they say they don't, they don't touch on that. One of the things that I thought was interesting was uh, just, just something I guess you guys find interesting too. If you watch the documentary is uh, he did a, uh, one of his first performances was on this uh, Broadway show or not Broadway, but a theater performance uh, for this musical or this play where he got cast as the lead and then they're like, hey, do you mind playing second? Kevin Bacon just agreed to go on, and he's kind of like a big name. And he's like, yeah, I love Kevin Bacon. Sure, I'll, I'll sit behind him. And they go, hey, do you mind uh, playing third because uh, Sean Penn just signed on to join? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll play third. So he got bumped from from the lead to the to the third to the third uh, leading actor, I guess. And uh, there's this behind the scenes footage where he walks into one of the dressing rooms and he's talking to to Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon. And they're like, hey, I got something for you to film. And they turn around and they both moon the camera. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Crack me up. You, you wanted to tell us about that, huh? <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it was one of the things, one of the tidbits that you get from the behind the scenes footage. That's uh, they spend That's a while great. talking about Top Gun and uh, some of the other performances. So I'm, I'm hoping we're going to go into Tombstone and, uh, and Batman here. I'm your huckleberry. I'm going to have to give that a watch. Yeah, Tombstone I'm, happens. Too. Is, Tombstone's got to be my favorite. You guys, you guys ready to wrap it? but <laughs> it sounds like you are um, right, i gotta I got no. get i gotta get, get it's going. i've had to pee for the last hour and a half that's so. me too bro you, you want to just go while we're on here yeah you know, yeah let's just i'll take Bonding. i mean it wouldn't be the first time that uh we we've been <laughs> <on the> recording <laughs> all right anyway <laughs> all right well uh thanks for listening um get in touch with us how did you feel about suicide squad how do you feel about harley quinn in the dceu do you want to see her coming or <laughs> do you want to see her continue her <laughs> yes <laughs> thanks for listening guys do you want to see her continue in, in her role as harley quinn uh get in touch with us at clever kids podcast at gmail.com and at clever kids pod on instagram let us know what you thought uh, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for recommending a friend. Uh, please give us a review on uh, whatever you're listening to us on. It helps people find us. Uh, and again, thanks. Bye. Thanks, guys. Oh.